It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. Tell me something good. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to yet another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders in hardcover, in paperback, and of course, in the dulcet tones of audio tone. To 91 we go. 91, 91. episodes. Who would have thought? I, I mean, after your, first, after your first episode, I figured you're just going to quit. Yeah. I didn't imagine you, <laughs> you would want to do number two. Hey, listen, man, you're either behind or you're losing. Right, so I wasn't losing. I was just a little. You're just a little, and you got caught up, and you surpassed, and you lapped the crowd. I, just like what's happening in football, just man. Just like you what's know? happening. You in fall football. behind double digits, you can still come back. Well, that, I mean, that's the nature of the game. What a weekend for that! Wow. This, this episode we are taping one day after the national championship, and two days after the AFC divisional game, in which a twenty-four nothing deficit turned into a twenty-point victory, which is unprecedented. It's never happened in the history of the NFL. Regular season, postseason, doesn't matter. But it's a reminder, like this book in many ways is, is that don't worry about the scoreboard right now. There's time on your clock. Without a doubt. You can win by as much as you choose in life. And Mahomes was quoted as saying to all of the guys on the sideline, one play at a time. That's right. One play at a time. One play at a time. Do something special. You yeah. do something special. I do something special. It's great. You can always turn your fortune around. Validates out. all the work I do, all the thinking. I love that. Amen to that. Am, amen is right. Introduce us to your guest, please. So I'm going yes. to tell a brief little story. Uh, we're excited to have Barbara Karasek here. And uh, Barbara and I know each other 12 years, maybe? Happy dozen, at least. Happy dozen. Happy dozen. I actually cold called this beautiful woman mm-hmm. who was then uh, head of SeaWorld Enterprises, right? SeaWorld Entertainment. SeaWorld, SeaWorld Entertainment. 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 And so she was running stri- uh, strategic partners for all of the parks, which she will then tell you. Mm-hmm. And she took my call, which I think she still regrets. <laughs> She probably is today. Oh, without Maybe a doubt. not at the time, but 12 years later, she and, was. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, I'm in her office, and I was uh, involved with a partner of mine doing some business. And what I try and tell people is it's not about the transaction. Mm-hmm. It's about the people, and we've been friends. Ever since. Ever since. There you oh. go. Welcome so to busy. the podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. You said a happy dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. happy. Well, well, you know, yeah. we, we've had... Um, other interactions, we just had right. lunch, and so we got to catch up. She is the ultimate, the story of going from corporate to betting on yourself and being an entrepreneur. Um, it's fascinating. You know, so I want you to share you know, what you've been doing, you know, catch us up, and you know, because my, this show is specifically for people to take away lessons from people who have done it, and you have done done it so what is your story by the way ceo and co-owner paradise advertising and marketing incorporated yes that is your current situation in life so your backstory by all means get us to how you got to where it is that you are here today yep so um during grad school i uh, was very fortunate to have an internship and a part-time job that lasted 12 years wow and that job was with the u.s olympic committee fantastic no was not in my vocabulary at that time <laughs> for many many years mm-hmm. so i stayed in the sports and advertising industry for um, my time and tenure with U.S. Olympic Committee, NASCAR, PGA Tour. That's a fun gig, the Olympics. Absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah I traveled the world on someone else's nickel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and dimes and quarters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then I went into SeaWorld Entertainment, which is where we met. And then post-IPO, I exited and just started figuring out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and um, began my life as an entrepreneur, investing in some businesses. And two years ago, um, two, week, two weeks and two, two years ago, my husband and I acquired Paradise Advertising and um, full service agency. And I tell myself all the time, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of crazy because we talked about it at lunch. That's a space that is going through tremendous disruption you know, traditional agencies, traditional PR firms. Well, they changed. Identity, yeah. There's like, who am I? What am I? What are my services? And one of the things I love about Barbara is that it's thinking first and doing next. And so why don't you share a little bit more about your philosophy and what you've done with the agency? Uh, she has some great uh, clients and some great stories. Yeah, you know, we don't really even look at ourselves as an agency. Yes, that's the model, if you will, as a service company. But we look at ourselves as, an, as a true extension of our client. We are truly their client partner. And we everything that we do as an advertising and marketing agency supports their sales function. So we're a little non-traditional. If they need a brand or PR or an advertising campaign or digital media or a website, the first question we ask is, what's your business plan? Mm-hmm. What's your business strategy? And what sales and revenues and business goals are you trying to hit? And how does a marketing function support that business sales function. And to us, that's just table stakes. And if, and if you're not that type of partner and you just want X, Y, or Z delivered, we're not the right partner for them. Mm-hmm. We're truly a strategic integrated partner that dri- we, we drive and deliver business forward for our, for our partners. Which is far too little of that going on. One of the challenges I always found in the agency business is the compensation is based on what you sell your client Mm -hmm. programs you deliver that you get paid on, which is sort of anti, Hey, I'm going to help you grow your business, but I'm making a shitload of money selling you this thing. It's (laughs) like, you know, that, you know, that's the, the paradigm, you know, the guy on the shoulder and the guy on the shoulder. Whose best interests are really yeah, involved. That's you know, right. And, yeah. and when you're your own boss, it's hard to not listen to the, we talked about this, the revenue. You know, I want revenue. How do I get revenue? So to really be a partner in, especially in the world we're in right now, um, and, and to sort of be a generalist, which I like, across lots of different things and what you don't know, you can go find out. You do that. That's right. And I, I think what's important too is, um, you know, and if, if you're listening today to the podcast and you're, and you're on the brand side, you're a potential client or a business or brand out there, ask yourself, not what you, not what you want, but what you need. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't know, people don't know what they need. They're so busy working on their business. They really need an outside third party. What we just call, you know, fire hose to the face. Here's a reality <laughs> splash of what we see, you know, we don't at that point as a consultant, you know, you don't really have, you know, a dog in the fight, but what I can do is be honest with you. I'm going to put you out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. tell you things you don't want to hear. But not everybody, but that's the problem. Absolutely. Is that you're taking money from people to tell them things they don't want to hear. And the emperor's new clothes all the way straight through the commission of the NFL, Roger Goodell, people forget he works for the men that he's punishing. He it's works, a difficult place to be. It's a difficult man. place to be. And, and while you have their best interests in mind, 
you know, this is supposed to be, you know, that's why it needs to be a partnership and not just take anybody's business yep. because not everybody's well suited to do what you tell them they need to do because they have an idea of what it is they want to do because they have an idea of what they want their brand or their company to be, not recognizing what it truly is. That's right. The perception is what your reality is. When Hyundai made the Genesis and people, it's a beautiful car and people would not spend $70,000 on a Hyundai. They said, screw it. Forget the Hyundai. We're just going to call it the Genesis. It's its own freaking brand. They kind of caved. They needed to. And then they saw, obviously, the car succeeded for several more model years and succeeds to this day. But telling people what they need to hear, that's not for everyone to deliver. And certainly people that are, you know, maybe not as successful in business, they've got to check themselves and realize, well, maybe I should have listened to what it's it was. the hardest part. That's the hardest part. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. And many of our sports clients are in, the, in similar boats. You know, we want to help sell tickets to events and, and fill the arena mm-hmm. or, it, you know, and it's okay. Well, what you know, client, you only have so much amount of money to market and promote your sport or your events. Do you want them in the stands or do you want the tune in at home right. or online or like, let's really assess the needs analysis for your business, mm-hmm. right? Current state and also future state. And what are we, where are we trying to get to? In an age where everyone utilizes their Twitter and their social media Twitter. and their dumb LinkedIn's and everything because they think their opinions are so important. And everybody thinks that what they got to say is so freaking important. I got news for you. It's not. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know, influencer used to be des- designated for you like 20 years ago. They said you have influence because then I told people about this one object that they sold at Walmart. And then Walmart said, stop talking about it because we've got a wait list for months. Yeah. Like you have that effect on people. Now people are on Instagram declaring themselves influencer. Right. I'm an influencer. Everyone thinks their opinion is so goddamn important and matters so much. It's got to be harder than ever to tell them that they're wrong and what it is they need. Got to be way harder than it was even 20 years ago. It, it is. Exponentially. It, it is. And I think that's part of it is to be that steward of your client's brand. Maybe and, and help point out here's your blind spots or, or the anticipation of roadblocks. Mm. That's wonderful that they got all that free publicity. But down the road, is it going to do more damage down the road when that wrong, when the wrong influencer or the wrong brand image is spouting their mouth, mm-hmm. which is creating yeah. a lot of you know likes and shares and forwards, and they made TMZ oh, no. and they made E and they made ESPN and they made the highlight reels. Right, so what's the benchmark for success if the, it, if that's not ringing the register? You know, it, it goes. You know, I think one of the biggest challenges is that everybody considers themselves an expert. Yep. And people are talking about stuff that they don't know. Correct. But because, and this was, we just talked about this. This is a line in the movie American Gangster. Mm -hmm. The loudest one in the room is the weakest. Mm -hmm. You know, well, social media makes you loud. You could really say a lot of stuff loud, you know, get it to people. It could be totally wrong, you know, so there is no like, well, show me your qualifications. Tell me what you know about digital. (laughs) You know, that's one of the reasons why I got out of the agency business was that, I was not qualified to even hire the people that needed to work for me. So it's a treacherous place to be right now to really understand someone's skill sets. And I applaud you. I mean, you have 35, 35 now, 35 employees and growing. And it's a big company. It is. Yeah. In 2020, that's a big company. It is. It is. But we're very selective. We're selective on the clients that we work with. We're selective with our partners and we're very fortunate to be a partner with, you know, ESPN West Palm. Uh, for many of our clients. And when you're selective like that, you know, you have to have the courage and the chutzpah to say no, Mm -hmm. you know, and understanding not every deal that comes your way 
is appropriate for them or you. Just cause, like I always say, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. All That's the right. Time. And it yeah. doesn't just mean opportunities with young ladies. It doesn't just mean business opportunities in life. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. But, but that is counterintuitive to your old school business mindset of, hey, they're about to write a check. Close the deal. Oh, we talked about it at lunch. We were laughing. You know, they're ready to, I, they're ready to sign I was check. the revenue guy. Right. That was the benchmark of success. They're spending, we're doing. Right. You know, and what my team revolted was like, hey, dude, this is a bad client. This mm-hmm. is, we are not a fit for them. Mm-hmm. And what I came to find out, you know, which is the real mantra that I live by, that if you're not a fit, it's okay. You can still be friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you can take that elephant out of the room and go, Listen, we're probably not a match, right. but I'm happy to refer you or, you know, whatever. So stepping away from those actually puts you in a place to accept or be available for the ones you should get. That's you know, right. Which is really. But that is the old school mentality of sales and business is. Take their money. Right. Just take their money. Right. And then that, that will, you know, they're spending. Well, is that in your best interest long term? If they also don't succeed and see results, then their influence upon others taints your... Wouldn't you rather have happy partners that well, also well, are spreading <laughs> the influence, right? When, when, I mean, th- that's the idea of partnership, isn't right. it? Symbiotic, mutual benefit. The, the interesting thing about our relationship is that we tried to do a really big deal. Would have been like a, a groundbreaking deal at the time. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't happen for reasons outside of our control, but we're friends 11 years, 12 years later. <laughs> right. So what's the real value of the deal? Is it the earned income from that one transaction? Or is it the years of connectivity? We're friends. We share good stuff. I mean, I went up speaking in Jacksonville when she was the president of the uh, AMA. AMA. You know, she, hey, you know, we're doing this thing. You know, have dinner with a leader. You know, that stuff doesn't come if you walk in the door just trying to sell it. Oh, and we didn't do a deal, bye, which is what most people do. Like, oh, we didn't do a deal, it's over, goodbye, I've got to go hunt the next person. Mm-hmm. There's value in the people, and, and so this is clearly validation. But I switch gears, I have a question. So you went from corporate America, yes. most of your career, yes, to being an entrepreneur. That's a bridge that a lot of people get faced. They come to the face of the bridge, and they say, wow, am I really ready to do that? Most people don't. So I'm curious what your mindset was about, okay, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to be responsible for my own income for 35 other people. You know, what, what was the mind shift? What are the things that came to mind? What are the challenges? Because that's what a, a big part of our audience wants to- To make that move. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's voluntary. Sometimes it's not. In your <laughs> it's very noble to be the vice president or president oh, of a yes. company. Right. That those people are never entrepreneurs. It's okay. And yeah. sometimes you have a choice in the matter and sometimes you don't. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, so in your instance, what was that motivation? What was the, you know, reason? What was your why? The why was um, for the lion's share of my career, I lived in and out of hotels and in and out of airport lounges. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful until I got married. Mm-hmm. And my husband was super supportive of my career after we got married. Cool. Tony's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However, you get to that point where he has this corporate job. I have my corporate job. I'm still, unfortunately, on the road 250 days a year. Wow. Yeah. Now, I'm not, again, no complaints because it was a wonderful ride. Mm -hmm. But at some point, we took a year after we both exited with IPOs. We we spent a year working on our ski form, our golf game, and our fishing hunting holes. And we realized that's not going to pay the bills for too long, right? No. 
What's a good year? How much That's fishing right. could you do? How much yeah. golfing could you oh, do? It you was, do a lot. It was epic. Do a lot. Oh, <laughs> no. Again, no complaints. But we realized, we said, okay, we have amazing backgrounds. And what is our purpose? And we went through a lot of different scenarios. And we said we would like to, number one, work together so that if, even if we're, you know, working our asses off, we're still together. Really? And we both have, you know, a vested interest. So what type of business model would work with his background and his skill set, my background, my skill set, and our networks. Mm-hmm. And where can we put that to use? Wow. Not just for a business with B-I-Z. A lifestyle. But a lifestyle yeah. and also um, purpose-driven life. We are not only building our business and putting more food on the table and money in the, the pockets of our team members at 35 people, but we're helping grow brands. Mm-hmm. And the exponential effect of when you build and grow a business for a client you're contributing to the economy, you're creating jobs, you're creating more value to an ecosystem, and we work with brands and companies and partners like media partners who we care about. So you under, like we understand the downstream effect that our role has as an agency partner, as a business growth strategy partner to clients, to the world around us. And if that's our gift, as well as doing some pro bono work around, along the way, then I feel like I'm getting more fulfillment out of my current state than I ever maybe would have realized in a corporate role, which awesome. were wonderful, awesome. but I'm really happy with where I'm at, like in the decision of, and the timing, timing was everything too. And her husband, husband, just for the record, is 6'9"? 6'10". 6'10", international basketball player, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not like he's not well-traveled or, oh, yeah. you know, so for, for them to come together and want to do this, you know, it's, I think it's pretty neat. And it also allows you to help others achieve their goals. That's right. Because, um, you know, you say purpose-driven life. The purpose can't be listeners out there in podcast land. It can't be, you know, status, corner office, square footage of your home in Aspen. And it can't be, um, you know, the number of commas in your bank account. It's got to be the impact you had upon the lives of others to impact the lives of others. Like our friend Jim Kelly always says, mm-hmm. do something today to make somebody's tomorrow better who's just fighting to have a tomorrow. Right. I don't think enough people think that way. I've never really heard of an agency leader talk about the brands and how deep that goes in legacy development and like the things you're doing with the coffee business. Yep. That's going to be real real estate that you've helped create and the jobs and the lives and the, you know, so I never really thought about it that like that. I I think that's a a noble you know, uh, and in the world we live in, people do ask why, why are you doing this? So I've never heard that. So thank you for sharing that. You're it's, welcome. It's you know, cool. Whether it's, you know, coffee and a consumer product and retail business that grows or an entire county that engaged us to uh, for with a 10-year deal. One of the first deals I did when we landed Paradise was a 10-year deal with a county that said, help us build ourselves to the next level of who we want to be. Mm-hmm. And how great is that? And we do a five-year strategic plan. And you're truly on the front lines of changing the culture and the fabric of places in our state Which where people legacy. live. Which is legacy. I mean, that's, it, is. it doesn't yeah. get any better than Pinch that. me. Uh, so yeah. what skill sets do you think you developed in the corporate world that help you transfer to be a successful mm. entrepreneur? Um, I would say... Probably many, but... Well, yeah. a lot. But I think it's... Um, it's really it, it's very fundamental do unto others as they would do unto you wow. open door policy um, honesty and transparency 
and surround yourself with people that know a hell of a lot more than you do. <laughs> right? Which sounds easy to do. Yeah. But that's a big challenge for entrepreneurs. Yep. I mean, I think one of the basic foundations of entrepreneurs is they get into a business and they think they need to be great at everything. You know, I need to be able to do the books, do this, do it, you know, and the reality is sometimes you just need to be a great quarterback and have the right players around you. Yeah. You know, we certainly saw that this week. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, there's some pretty good air traffic controllers whose names we don't know. Right. And they make sure that plane gets off the ground and that one touches ground and those don't collide in the air. Uh, being surrounded by smart people, uh, some leaders and some folks see that as threatening because I want to be the smart woman, man, person in this room. I want to be viewed as, but you'll notice the truly successful folks in this new century, this new millennial of ours, are the ones that said, who's got a better idea than me? I like yours. Let's go with that. They're the ones that are now next leveling up, if you will, because they recognize it doesn't matter who gets the credit, where it comes from, what's in our best interest. It's like, how did the Seahawks lose that Super Bowl a couple years ago? They overthought it. Try to pass the ball. From the one-yard line, he got intercepted when Marshawn Lynch could have carried the ball in, scored, they take the lead 12 seconds left. It changes history. So ego oftentimes interferes. And if you put your ego aside, then you can achieve truly what it is that everyone is trying to see come to fruition. You know, that that reminds me of, you know, when our agency was in full, uh, you know, full steam ahead, we would hire interns and we'd actually get the interns engaged. And we would be doing some creative session trying to come up with ideas and we would say to the interns no share it nobody's gonna laugh it's a safe zone and generally speaking every idea starts with a kernel of something that becomes something else that becomes something else that all ultimately becomes what you go with Mm -hmm. and so you have to have a real good like it's not my idea it's just something i teed up do you remember the commercial It, it ran a lot during sports programming i think it ran a lot toward you know men 25 64 i'm gonna guess because i would see it during sunday football a couple years ago and i want to say it was for like ge the like whoever and it was the idea of an idea and it had this puppet this this muppet looking monster and he looked weird and he had a weird nose and he was blue and fluffy kind of like sully in uh, the movie um uh, monsters inc okay and, and the narrator said ideas are scary and people kept pushing him away and they wouldn't let him in the building, et cetera. And then the idea blossomed and bloomed. And in the end, he's on stage like at Rockefeller Center and he's bowing and everyone's standing and applauding because it's the idea of ideas, where they come oh, I from. I love that. I'll and find it, that. Do you remember that, Adam? I don't. All right. So, but so, I love the idea of ideas. Shay, rem- Shay remembers wow. it. I remember watching it and how well it was written and delivered. In the, the, I guess the loss in it is I can't remember who it was for. As if GE still exists, I guess, in some capacity. But it, but it was along the idea thereof that ideas are scary and no one's open to change and ideas and new things and whatnot. And then suddenly they recognize the value and then everyone must realize, wow. Like, who would have imagined with your Walmart Supercenter right on the corner with everything you need, people instead said, nah, let's just order shit out of the mail and they can drop <laughs> off the boxes put on the porch. But but that's where, right? right. That's where we are. Right. And I remember in 1999 when they were talking about the value of Amazon.com and I go, yeah, you buy CDs and books there. There's no, they don't own stores and properties. So no, no, wait and see what's going to happen. And who would have imagined that that idea would literally be how people now are getting their dish detergent and right who, who would have started with that idea where did that let's just mail know, right mail stuff to people it's yeah. such an antiquated idea well actually the i was just with a retail client who said the new phenomenon is order online pick up in store 
Or, or, so a or, lot of them are going to yeah. continue brick and mortars as just yeah. a place to go pick or it up. Or drop yeah. it off to you. Because right. I just watched now Amazon's running a campaign where you can order your groceries and then it'll be delivered to your home within two hours. They're showing someone preparing a meal. Right. Yep. Because w- we are so damn lazy. And we are now in this age of instant gratification as a nation, as we've always wanted. But but it used to be, like, I'm seeing commercials on television. They're spending millions of dollars in marketing (laughs) to get you to order Wendy's delivered. And I go... If I'm having food Drive delivered, is not enough. Nothing. No, yeah, like I always say, number one, if I'm having food delivered, probably not going to be from Wendy's. But if it were, that's what the drive-through is for. Right. But the drive-through is not convenient enough yeah. because we want to Peloton. You don't want to leave. I want. Yes. I want to. I want exercise. I just want everybody looking at me. I want to do it at home. I don't want to leave home. We're beca- we're going to literally be the Jetsons. Remember, we used to have everything delivered through the tube. <laughs> yeah. Remember, well, like the food. Where they push the buttons. CES was last week. Here we go. And there are. Things that they were showing, like something that will automatically pull your covers up. Yes. Over you. I mean, I was yeah. like, yeah. like seriously. <laughs> wow. But but this is a, this is an age of ideas where if you look at what the ideas are, like text messaging has replaced phone calls. But text messaging is archaic. It is literally sending a telegraph. It's sending a telegraph when you can video chat, but nobody wants to talk on the phone because they don't want to act. They want they want to look at the message when they feel like it, reply when they want. How many? Well, that sets a specific challenge for yeah. you. Is that I even find it. There's so many communication channels. Yeah. How do you integrate a message for your particular audience? Where are they going to get it? How are they going to get it? Yeah. In what state of mind are they receiving it? I mean, for an agency, you know, or a uh, you know, creative. It's people impossible. are people. I, thousands of of uh, of messages and and media come at you, right? And people are. You know, they have the attention span of a gnat. You know, it's like mm-hmm. three seconds at the most, eight seconds. And we all work in like eight, eight second blocks, yep. three minute blocks. Distraction. So, Boom. you know, we're very data led, not data driven, which is an important piece. Explain that, the difference, please, because so, that is important. Yep. So um, data led, data led is driven. we have humans on our team that really monitor the data points that drive business decisions with your marketing campaigns or with different strategies or tactics. Data uh, driven is where everything's just so automated. You know, bots and machines are doing that learning for you. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just sometimes we find that we um, we have to have that intellectual capability to be able to follow it and assess it differently. You have your, what does your head say? What does your heart say? And what's your, your gut is your swing vote. Mm-hmm. And with automation, wow. you don't have any type of swing vote. Um, or impulse. Right? I, always, I always say that your gut is actually the, the Supreme Court. That's the final <laughs> word. That, you know, you, your heart. If you is, follow your gut, you know, it's usually your right. heart is what yeah. your heart is That's what right. you want, and your head can make things complicated, convoluted, don't need to be. Yep. And, and I always view the gut is well, first of all. I mean, we're symmetrical, right? Two arms, two legs, and that shape thereof. And right in the center is, is your gut because it's it's neutral some to of it us all. have bigger guts than <laughs> for sure but but your gut is your gut is central to it all because it's not making the decision based upon this or that i always tell people you know forget about what you think and your research and what you feel what does your gut tell you just go with that yep that that's survival for all species though that's right, right. that's right but you know I, I think in this day and age with technology you know it's messaging or advertising which you know everybody relies on it it's how do you craft it to the right person it's very fundamental right person right time with the right message to inspire that action and with technology 
you know, people, you think people get up and, you know, they don't have to get up out of their couch to go change the channel, right? Yeah, where you like, like we did growing up. Unless you had a little, unless you had a sibling, yeah, a three, younger sibling. Oh, yeah, they were, right, they were on the knob duty. Yeah. yeah. Um, knob duty. At least through, you know, till at least dessert came. Yeah. And, um, you know, but they'll, they'll tune you out and they'll change their mind about you very 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 quickly oh it's very fickle i mean it's very yeah fickle. so holding it's not just attracting customers or clients or, or sales revenue or whatever it's keeping them right building that loyalty and um how do you stay so, cool like how do you stay i can think of two brands that have stayed cool from their inception and it's nike and it's ralph loren polo and i saw a documentary on ralph loren polo on hbo <laughs> and i said how do you stay cool because they never became uncool nike never became a secondary brand you know, Reebok has moments, and Adidas has moments, and they get hot, up and down. but Nike's never, ever lost their cool, not since 1974 in Oregon and Phil Knight, and Ralph Lauren Polo never tried to be edgy, cutting edge, never tried to reinvent the wheel, but always maintained classic Americana cool, and I don't know how, you, as a brand, how do you do it? Because McDonald's used to be a treat. Like, in the early, mid-80s, oh it was like, oh, we're going to yeah. have McDonald's for dinner, you got excited. McDonald's now is a very quick grab to go urban. I need coffee and, that, and I'm out the door and gone. It's not suburbia reward for the family. Right, going yep. to McDonald's. Going was to McDonald's like, was it? We won the World Series. It was, was fun. That's right. It was a treat. So, so how do brands stay cool? Because I can think of two of that have. You have to always listen to your customer. I mean, your customers. Right. You know, there's there's two types of. You know, you have brand based marketing and product based marketing. Product based marketing is all about sales. Brand-based marketing is really about the customer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just paying attention to the world around you and being ahead of it and not being afraid, as Mr. Love Ford it. used to say, just polish the oval. Like, uh, own it, right? Yeah. Um, and I would say there's some other ones like like Tom's Shoes. You know, I think Tom's Shoes from at point of entry in the marketplace to present day just has never lost course of who they are, what they do, why they why they do it. Because you understand why they're doing it, right. clearly. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. Um, and I would say those other brands that you mentioned, um, from a brand perspective, yes, but they've, you know, they've had some tarnishing and I think what millennials, millennials are so, I, I love, I love millennials. Like I think they're, well, they're our future of the world, but I love the fact that they have such a strong opinion about our environment, about how things are made, oh, yeah. who makes them, where they're coming from. Like they give a shit about that stuff. And I love that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think we're going to find this resurgence of, as much as technology drives our 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 world, mm -hmm. I think there's also this anti-connectedness that's also per in pervasive in the marketplace mm -hmm. that people really love human connection. Go to a um, Apple store from the minute they open, there's a line out the door Incredible. to the minute they close and they're kicking people out. Well, it's a church. It's unbelievable the loyalty that they have, and I'm fascinated. No, it's Jimmy Buffett Parrotville, yeah. right? It, it is. It's Grateful Dead, Deadhead Nation. It's just, it's a lifestyle. Total it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Bob, thank you for the time. Thank you. Appreciate, it was awesome. Appreciate. We could talk forever. I CEO, co-owner. It goes fast. Yes. Paradise Advertising and Marketing, we appreciate your insight on everything. Steve, as we wrap up number 91, tell us something good. Uh, so uh, we are heading into uh, Super Bowl in Miami. So that's the next thing two in, weeks. Our, in our in two weeks. And so two weeks from Thursday, uh, we will have uh, we're producing an event with Coach Dave Wanstat 
who was my favorite of all. I really? Loved, loved working with him. Love him and his wife. They are just the most tremendous people. So we're hosting a breakfast in uh, Fort Lauderdale. So people Very from nice. Palm Beach. And uh, it'll be, it's called Inside the Huddle. I'm super jacked up about spending time with him. And now that Jimmy Johnson got in the Hall of Fame. That's great. Dave worked with Jimmy. That's how I met yeah. uh, Dave is through Jimmy Johnson. And so uh, good things happening in the universe. Amen. Uh, rooting for your friends to do great things is really the... The key to Russell Simmons said, if you can't make yourself money, help somebody else. Yeah, you go. To there make you go. So, I'm, so I'm super excited. He's working with Fox, and he'll be on the pregame. Fantastic. And uh, he's going to share his awesome. thoughts with everybody. It's pretty cool. Come back. Come. Absolutely. Please do. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you once again. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Steve Nittleberg, Josh Pleasure. Cohen, saying thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time for number 92 on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.